Welcome to another edition of OG Overtime. Totally not a panic room alongside Lauren Brownlow. I'm Joe Ovias. I'm in the Smith Center. Brownlow's back in the Go ACC bunker. Uh, the, you know, the joke is it's said sarcastically now. You know, this game always delivers, right? It always delivers. And for the most part, I thought North Carolina delivered, right? You know, Armando Baycott delivered. Harrison Ingram certainly delivered. Uh, Duke didn't. And John Shire after the game, Lauren, was really, like, as pissed as you'll see John Shire. And he kept questioning the compete level of his own team. And I think it was telling that Kyle Filipowski wasn't really discussed. And I think I feel like that's where a lot of the ire is compared to, you know, with what happened tonight at the Smith Center. Listen, your predictions came true on a number of levels and that I have received multiple texts from people that I know that like North Carolina that have talked about how much they cannot stand Kyle Filipowski now. So he has done a real service to this rivalry. You're welcome, ESPN. You're welcome, everyone. Um, But I will say this about Flip because I, I have always had a kinship somewhere deep in my heart for players who can't control their face. (laughs) because i'm like that i have a hard time controlling if i'm upset it's usually all over my face like it's hard for me to like hide that flip is similar and like bryce johnson he was at this game he's another one that was that way if you if he was upset you always knew it because it was written all over his face now i did i also texted somebody else i was like what would Kay have done with Filipowski's facial expressions? I feel like Ooh. he would have loved it. Yeah, that look, you're right. There's only so much you can read into. But uh, I, as this game was, in, let's, let's talk about North Carolina specifically. Let's start with North Carolina first. And we're, I'm kind of out of practice here doing these totally not a panic rooms, Bravo. Um, so let's start with Carolina and then we'll get to Duke. Let's start with who actually won the game. And I, and I, I tweeted this out. I know what I'm getting out of North Carolina. Duke is the wild card because we haven't really seen Duke in its totality. There hasn't been a lot of continuity. We were talking about that with Julio Thursday from the Butcher's Market. You could see where they've got pieces, but just will they consistently put it together? But with North Carolina, I know what I'm getting. And defensively, they put on yet another fantastic defensive show. They made, as much as Duke hung around, I never really felt that Duke was going to be able to get back in this game because twofold, one, defensively, they made Duke work their freaking ass off for everything. I know John Shire was like, hey, man, we, you know, we, we dropped 84 points on this team. Right. Yeah, and they, to, they shot well in the second half. Yeah, for sure. You had to work. They had to work for they everything, did. right? So I thought that was pretty typical of what you expect out of North Carolina. Why defensively people are salivating over what they could potentially do once March arrives. It's the offense that needs to be a little more consistent. And if, you know, Harrison Ingram, who clearly has that dog in him, and he's had that dog in him all year, he's, he's very much – as much as Cadeau is an X factor, Harrison Ingram is such a motor for this team. And those 50-50 balls that John Shire was talking about after the game that they yeah. weren't winning, well, the guy who was winning them was Harrison Ingram, who I know a lot of North Carolina fans, you and I both know. Like, I know he just got here, but I love that dude based on tonight's game. Yeah, no, I mean, he's one of those guys that I think has just changed a lot for them in a positive way. Um, His toughness has been contagious, I think. We've seen guys that, not the guys that weren't tough before individually, but like we've seen a lot of them get just, we've seen a little more chippiness from Carolina this year than we've Mm -hmm. been seeing, I feel like. 
and they don't easily get intimidated. And I think some of that's a product of him and, and Cormac Ryan as well, to some degree too. And they both are just like very smart basketball players yeah. who know where to be all the time. And they have no issue, you know, putting their body on the line, either of them to make a play. And I think that they've kind of made that a part of this team's culture. And, and that's partly why this team is, is in the position it is. And to your point, I know what you're saying about Duke. Like you never really thought like, okay, Carolina's got this under control. Here's the thing yeah. though. We did. I mean, we have seen a theft. Maybe it wouldn't have been of this magnitude, but that Not was tonight. still like a like Carolina had outplayed them that whole game until really yeah. until that like however many minutes it was not, in that Carolina game. Not not tonight. And the reason why I say that not tonight and not with this group. I've seen enough out of this North Carolina team that when they know they've got control of the game, then they're going to for the most part clamp it down again. Would they like to have not had 84 points scored on them? Sure, I, I get that part. But I still think that you have to understand that Duke's got some talent. They still got 20-point performances plus from some key guys, Filipowski included. But if I told you that Kyle Filipowski had the stat line that he had, he had scored 20-some-odd points in this game, yeah, would you have believed have me based on what you watched? Yeah. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have believed that. He well, I might have because he scored a lot towards the end. But, yeah, like in the most yeah. – for most McCain, of the game, yeah. McCain did that thing that, you know, we talk about with Jillio that there's always going to be a Duke freshman that lights up in a game like this. They always going to light up for the North Carolina game. That was McCain. To me, the biggest surprise was the yin and the yang of Tyrese Proctor tonight for Duke, where Proctor did a really good job defensively on R.J. Davis. But And I could see why, given as hot as R.J. Davis has been, that you want to take him out of the game. And I thought Proctor did a really good job of that. He just didn't do it on the offensive end of it. And on top of that, while you're focused so much on – uh, RJ and you're doubling Armando Baycott. Well, that's when you allow Harrison Ingram to thrive. And I do think too the other issue that was exposed tonight. For as much as you might like Duke's pieces, you might lament the fact that they haven't had a lot of continuity. You can be optimistic, like John Shire was trying to be after the game, where he talks about we're going to get back to work on Monday, and there's still half the ACC season to go. There are some matchup limitations or matchup problems, I should yeah. say, with this Duke squad. And it gets back to the coaching staff for not getting a big guy out of the portal to compliment Kyle Filipowski. Ryan Young, bless him, he's not that dude. I love watching Mark Mitchell play. The dude's got bounce, but he's just not hes not suited for what they need to put next to Filipowski, which, which is what Derek Lively really was able to do last year and allowed for Filipowski to do what he's able to do. There's almost a little too much finesse in Filipowski's game for a night like tonight, and I thought that was exposed tonight. Yeah, I think like it's a problem for your team when probably your best player, like your most NBA ready player in Filipowski is not the guy that you can also rely on to be like your on-court leader. That's how I'll yeah. phrase that because I don't know enough about like the inner workings of that team or whatever, but no one's sure. you you can't ask people to take their their cue on the court from Filipowski because if they no, do, you gotta, then you have a bunch of dejected dudes yeah. walking around. Yep. Um and for Proctor, I do want to defend him some just because, like, he had a very tough job and he did it he did. very well. Now, he did. You could, he did. could you make the case that, like, is that the best route to go for Duke? I mean, I don't know. Like, should they have just played it as straight up as they could? Obviously, try to help on RJ when you can and try to give him mm-hmm. a little more attention. But, like, 
You can't, if you have Proctor out there on an island chasing RJ Davis around for an entire possession and then go ask him to create something on, like, that's just asking too much. You know what I mean? Now, I don't mm-hmm. know that they had a lot of other better options. You know, I don't, I don't really know that they did, but, and they certainly, I mean, Filipowski was also struggling defensively. And I think that was a big yes. issue too. We don't talk a lot about his defense as much because he's scoring and they kind of need that, but mm-hmm. you know, his I mean, Baycott did what he wanted against him. Harrison Ingram a lot of times taking threes uncontested half the time. So, The other thing tonight, too, about North Carolina and why there's been a, a change in conversation around the Tar Heels is that they do have depth, and clearly Hubert Davis trusts the depth on this team in a way that he did not trust the depth on last year's team. And you see it paying off for guys like Seth Trimble. As much as I've enjoyed Elliot Cadeau's game, there were times tonight where it wasn't coming easy to him. Seth Tremble comes in and is a spark plug to get things going. And he was basically taking advantage of what Duke was giving him matchup-wise. And I thought Seth Tremble low-key had a real big difference maker part of tonight. But again, that gets back to Hubert Davis pushing the right buttons. Hubert Davis getting these guys to understand what their roles are going to be on a night-in, night-out basis. And them going out there and doing it. We talked about this a little bit in terms of defense. You know, I've seen the word elite thrown around for North Carolina. And yeah, metrics-wise, this is a team that, again, statistically, it's really, really good defensively. But when you watch them play, defense is a want-to factor, which is, again, why I think John Shire was pissed off after this game. Yeah. Hubert Davis has them just like, look, guys, go. It sounds simple. It's basic. It's oversimplifying. But it's like, just go do it. Just just want it go and execute what i want you to do and then the good things are going to happen you see you see it paying off for north carolina defensively in this game i'm still in awe of their defensive turnaround to be honest with you because yeah like watching this team back in december there's no way i would have predicted that this would be the team we'd be seeing now i just didn't see it you thought armando baycott's going to struggle with with mobile you know, big guys and and when he gets switched up on guards. But mm-hmm. you know what? He got switched off on a guard at the end of the half. He did a much better job than he did in the George Tech. He learned. He didn't go for the fake. He was he was good. He's been a he's he's improved. You can tell that he's improved in those situations. Like just everybody's gotten a lot better defensively. And like you said, it's a team thing. Like I don't know that you're except for a guy like Trimble, who is legit like a very elite athlete, a guy like Jalen Washington has a lot of athletic, like Carolina doesn't have a lot of guys that are like super athletically gifted necessarily, but they've got a Mm -hmm. lot of guys who played a lot of ball and kind of know what they're doing more or less and know how to make plays happen. And that's what they've been doing. So I pulled up the, if you're watching on YouTube, I pulled up the box score uh, for tonight's game. And the You don't want to know how far ahead of the broadcast that was. Oh boy. Oh, was it? Oh, it was like solid, like, 30, 40 seconds oh, of game geez. action. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's the issues with streaming, I guess, in the grand scheme. I of like things. doing that, though, because I like to know, like, because it'll timestamp it, too. So it's like, ooh, when did that happen? <laughs> I can look for that. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. When you actually look at the uh, – when you look at the team-by-team breakdown, it felt like there, that, there wasn't that much of a difference between these two squads, and that's why Duke was able to, to hang around. Obviously – when you're going to get four more threes, that's going to help you out. And then the other thing that stuck out to me was the 19 points off turnovers. Again, that gets also back to the whole loose ball situation, the 50-50 balls, which you'll hear a lot coming out of the Duke side of things. Again, all that being a difference maker, when you see key players for Duke, like Filipowski, like Roach, like McCain, scoring in the 20s, I also like the fact, too, I would say, 
I like the fact that there were no whistles early on in this game. They were just letting it play. I think there was like with seven minutes to go in the first half, there were only three fouls called. At some point, I knew that uh, they were going to put the call in from Bristol saying, y'all, we need to play commercials. Like, have you seen our, have you seen our financials? We need every commercial we, we can get. So let's go. So you started seeing a little bit of that down the line. And then, you know, I think they, I think they also had to get some control of things in the second half as well, which is why you saw the fouls. Or, well, I, I didn't see the clip. You watched it on TV. But did Roger Ayers really say when he was looking at that monitor when uh, they gave the technical to – He said, I'm about to, to get Arthur something Davis? here. Is yeah, that he what said, he said? I'm he about to get like, I'm about to get food? No, and I'll say this. To be fair, what the replay they were showing us on the broadcast genuinely did not show any of what they were talking about. So there was a lot of confusion. Like, everybody was like, what are they – like, Bellis and them were like, wait, what are they referring to? I assume there must have been something. Like, Roger I mean, has a long time. And then they finally yeah. show a different angle at the end, and you can kind of see it now. Why they didn't just, like – like, why they would add that on considering, like, there was – whatever. There was hooking – there was plenty of hooking going on mutually. Sure. Uh, sure, but sure, sure, maybe sure. they decided he did it first. I don't, whatever. Regardless, I was like so confused for a while. So they didn't like explain it well. And maybe in the replay they showed, they maybe they did. I don't know. I have no idea what replay they showed in there. Either way, I was initially very confused as to what had happened. Like, I'm like, Why? okay. Yeah. From uh, from the YouTube comment. By the way, if you want to leave, yeah, that's what I, yeah. We'll, we'll, I we're gonna, gonna pull them up. I'm about to get food really bad. Hook and hold on RJ Davis. Yeah, because again, I could. I'm up here. I can't. Obviously, can't hear any of that stuff. I'm not Roger watching it on TV. And because and it's, I was gonna say, if you're confused watching the replay stuff and the monitor stuff while you're watching television, you can only imagine what it's like trying to figure yeah, out. What and you're like mad and here. you're invested and like yeah. Yeah, so. and then you know, the other thing too, it's like again, it's no knock on the Wi-Fi, but Twitter's not exactly functioning correctly. Yeah. Uh, and again, Twitter's still very, very useful for in-game live tweets and everything else. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Because again, from up here, I thought that it was going to be on Filipowski for coming down on RJ Davis. So it is what it is. Well, that was friendly uh, fire, as it turned out. It was. It was friendly fire when they actually put it up on the replay monitors. That was here. evident Re- in the first replay, by the way. It was just the hooking situation initially that, like, was it was. Gotcha. Like, <laughs> yeah. So from Rob on the YouTube comments, refs should have ha- should have to answer questions after the game. That is a call that should have they would have they would have to explain. Eh, I mean, there, yes and no. Yes own, and no. Yeah. There's there's some there are some semantics. There are some semantics with. Um, how you can get to an official after a game. You can't ask, you can't ask for a pool report for an official after the game. The problem is the person who's in charge of this is actually the SID. So imagine Steve Kirshner trying to chase down Roger Ayers when he's probably on a bus because he's got to get to some Atlantic 10 game the next night. So it's, it's all, it's all, it's all wonky in, in how they go about trying to get answers out of the officials. Uh, from Martin on the YouTube comments, is it weird that I'm not that worried about Duke after this loss? No, I don't. No. I don't think that's a weird thing to think, right, Lauren? I'm not worried. I mean, their problems, any problem they have, is the same that they had before. You know what right. I mean? So it's fine. Like it's not like any new issues got exposed here, and Proctor will be fine. I'm not worried about him. You know, it's interesting. I'm glad you put it that way because I don't. We didn't really learn anything new about Duke. Their issues are their issues. And it gets back to what I said at the beginning of, of, of this totally not a panic room, um, that they have problems at the four and the five. And how do you put a combination out there that's going to get the most out of your key players like Kyle Filipowski? They just don't have that. They haven't consistently had that. As somebody who actually will defend Ryan Young and, and he actually justifies his minutes because he does exactly what John Shire wants him to do. Yeah. Like, 
tonight's a perfect night where they were really squeezing some minutes out of Ryan Young for as long as they could. And I thought they actually got some productive. I mean, yeah. I think at one point they actually cut, they cut the lead down early in the first half while Ryan Young was out there just squeezing as much as they could while Ryan Young was basically flailing all over the floor trying to keep up with Armando Baycott. So I think that's ultimately what – I think that if I learned anything tonight out of Duke, I was surprised that they didn't look like they had the same, to use a Coach K term, verve as Carolina did for a game that typically you see them come out and have that. I mean, we certainly saw that last year where yeah. Duke was able to come out and run the game at their pace. They tried to get it back to their pace early on, but Carolina's just too good tonight. Yeah, I mean, I almost te- speaking of chaosms, I almost texted you like spurt after the one of the Carolina, like right before the half. And I was like, no, that's going to seem weird if I do that. So I'm not going to do that. If it's- <laughs> do that. Out of context, just like you probably would have gotten it, but still, I'm like, that's pushing boundaries here. I would have, I would have understood. I, I would have understood. Uh, this is from Matthew on Twitter. RJ Davis realizing he has the gravitational pull for Duke defense yes. and not forcing his offense is what gave everyone else the opportunity to shine. Obviously, if Ingram and Baycott don't take advantage, it's a different story. But his patience and savvy open it all up. Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in total agreement with what we saw at RJ Davis tonight. I don't think anything changes for RJ Davis in terms of his ACC Player of the Year status. I know that Virginia is clawing back into contention or clawing their way into NCAA tournament contention, I should say. Um, And Tony Bennett's doing that thing again, taking a group that looked like they didn't really have much and they're finding ways to win. But I still think Hubert Davis is your odds-on ACC coach of the year based on, as I mentioned earlier, Lauren, he's just pushing the right buttons right now. I I do feel like there's – I do feel like Hubert Davis is owed a lot of apologies for some of the things that were said last season, right? Yeah, I agree. And I was I was guilty of it too. I I criticized certain things because I didn't fully understand them. And um, you know, I also I have to give him kudos too for something else. Like they like they started out each half. I saw there's um Brendan Mark's brother Trevor actually tweets out the some plays and stuff, some of the more technical stuff that they do, yeah. Carolina does. And he he's they ran a new play to start each half. Uh one was like a variation on a play. They run a lot, but had a little tweak on it. And it's just like, oh, that's really cool. Like it's one that they run a lot. And so Duke thought they were going for one thing and they tr- they were able to fool them in that way because they did something else. And it was like, oh, that's neat. Like I love that kind of stuff. And I think like he also there was one point where on the broadcast they were saying Cadeau seemed a little like after he fouled on the three, like he brought him over and was just like calming him down. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important because Cadeau, you could tell he gets a little down on himself when he makes mistakes, especially yeah. late in games. I wonder if he's still kind of dealing with some of that fallout from, um, uh, oh gosh, what was that game where he turned it over late? I can't remember it now for some reason. They, they lost. It was like the last game they had lost before uh, Georgia Tech. I'll have to pull it up on Ken Palm because yeah. yeah, I'm actually. But yeah, I'm anyway, actually he made them like Kentucky. Kentucky. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. about that. About that. Yeah. About that. I was actually texting with our friend Nada during the game, and uh, he was like, can we, can we get that UConn game again? I was like, why, why just UConn? I'd like to see North Carolina play Kentucky and UConn again. Now, I mean, I got some reaction to that when I tweeted it out, like, why the hell would you want that? UConn's just playing with their food at this point in time. Again, I, I, well, I think better time to play them. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess there is that. I mean, the Kentucky, the Kentucky game would be a fun game to watch again, right? That would be a fun game to watch. I understand why you might not want to play UConn because that's just suffocating at this point. 
But I, what I've seen out of North Carolina oh, so far from, from that stretch on, they've, they can, I, I certainly think they can compete now. It's a completely different team than what we saw in December. But listen, here's the thing. And I'm not trying to like oversimplify when I say stuff like this, but it's just worth repeating because I think people need reminding sometimes. This mm-hmm. is college basketball. Weird, weird shit happens all the time. Like it just does. Remember, weird you can curse now, Lauren. I, I know. I had to, I started to hold it and then I was like, oh, wait, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> you can curse now. Um, but it does. Like weird shit happens all the time. Like pe- teams take losses. They shouldn't. Like these things just happen in college. Like we, 16 seeds beat ones. The equivalent yeah. of that would not happen in any other, including NBA. Like it just would not happen in like any other sport. It just wouldn't. The equivalent. It just wouldn't happen. And so like the thing is, like, should UConn win? Yeah. But like, I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You we don't just know. don't know. Like Carolina, even that year, even in 22, when Carolina played Baylor mm-hmm. in the tournament, even though they were playing well. I don't think anybody going into that game was like, oh, they're primed to beat Baylor. Like, everybody was still kind of like, I don't know, man. Baylor's still really good. Like, they weren't supposed to win that game. I'm not comparing the, like, distance between the two. I'm just saying, like, never underestimate, like, when a team is feeling good about itself and is hot and has, like, its best players playing well. Like, they can absolutely go up against whoever. Now, is UConn favored? Like, yeah, duh, of course. Like, UConn's playing Yeah, better. so it's interesting. It's so James on, on the YouTube pointing out might not have any dominant teams in college ball, but there are a lot of solid teams out there. Nobody's talking about Virginia at eight and three in the league. We, we mentioned it. We, we talk about the hashtag, talk about the who. We brought it up a little bit earlier. I was supposed to go on with, I'm supposed to go on with uh, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports on Monday with him and Stephen Hartzell on, uh, on the SiriusXM show. And the reason why Matt reached out to me was because I've been on my, you know, college basketball tastemakers don't want you to know that the ACC is actually not as bad as you're making it out to be. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not, that's not direct. That's not directed at Matt. But what was interesting is, and we talked about this on Thursday, I think it's worth repeating when we're talking about North Carolina specifically, when we're talking about North Carolina on a national level, can they compete for the final four? Can they win a national championship? Could they get past UConn, right? We've had a we've had a historic amount of unranked teams beating top ten teams, not top twenty five teams, yes. top ten teams. Okay, it happens on a pretty routine basis. When North Carolina lost to Georgia Tech, two top ten teams lost that night to unranked teams because because uh, Tennessee, yeah, because Tennessee lost to South Carolina that night as well, right? So that is illustrative of a couple of things. People will point out that offensive offensive efficiencies at are an all-time high. Well, when you're running that kind of hot, you're going to have some games that can go either way. The other thing, too, is there's not that – and this is something that Giulio preaches all the time – there's not that much difference between teams 4 through 84 at this point. We see this in the ACC. We see this across college basketball as well. So if we recognize – if we see everything in front of you, you see that there are upsets from unranked teams all the time. When you yeah. see When you see Georgia Tech – upsetting North Carolina, but you can also see some other instances as well. It's like, it's, it's important to take your focus off your team from time to time and not it's, be so worried. Or like your own league. In, that's that's the other league. thing. Yeah. You know, I think college football has kind of warped our brains into thinking that every game is some sort of referendum, win or lose. Yes. When there's a little bit, there's a little bit more ebb and flow to the nature of a college basketball season. And like, I, I, I do think to wrap my point here, I do think that, you're 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 kind of missing the point 
if you go back to North Carolina's litmus test being December games against UConn and Kentucky, you're, you're kind of missing the point where, right. where this team has developed and how college basketball has been going the rest of the way. Well, you know what? It's like it's part of the journey for them, I think, yes. that you find Thank it. You, Coach it was, it, well, I mean, everybody's running your, their own race, too, right? And North Carolina is running its own race. And the race it's running was a race where it had like uh-huh. an unstoppable half court offense back in December mm-hmm. and couldn't defend anyone. And now all of a sudden their half court offense looks a mess half the time and their defense is like impenetrable. So mm-hmm. yeah, they've certainly, but no, they've, they developed, I think you saw it happen kind of gradually, but also come into it this season with it. Like just this toughness that was different than what we'd been seeing. You would see it in flashes. And then all of a sudden you saw them like translated over into being able to like finish games out. And that was kind of their off season, their non-conference journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of like this journey of like, oh, okay, we're getting, but we can play with these teams we are good enough to win these games and I think you saw them kind of realize that and start playing like it and they really overall I don't think haven't really looked back in terms of like finding ways to win these games it may not always look aesthetically great but they're finding ways to win from uh, what do we got here KS and a bunch of letters UConn and Purdue are definitely a tier above everyone I'm sorry. sorry I hear you. I'm not one of these people. I don't like to put too much stock in the NCAA tournament because I think it's stupid mm-hmm. to do that. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of them being that it's like a one and out event. Anything can happen on a given night. I recognize all that. That being said, I need them to not lose in the first round before I'm, I'm willing to like do. I'm sorry. Like I, I just. Every year they get in the tournament and disappoint and fall on their face. Like I'm just, I need to see more. I need to see more. I, it's funny. I do think that tournament results do matter because tournament results are what we have to differentiate from the course of the regular season. Like if you're a tier above, every, if you're a tier above everybody else, then yeah. yeah, you should be doing stuff like that, right? Uh, right? Unless you're Virginia and you need it to spark a, a redemption story uh, from going from the first one to lose to a 16 to then winning it all after the fact. Uh, from JSW, if only the heels had weights. <laughs> Julio, oh. Julio's never gonna let that one down. Oh, I never forgot that he that said that. I, I thought he yeah, was. Yeah, every every time I come to a Carolina game now, since that. Not game, the Wake's I'll roster see, isn't good. Wake has the I'll see roster. our I'll, I'll see our friend Adam Smith from Inside Carolina, and uh, Adam just Adam will see me. He's like, I still can't get over how you slow blinked Julio's uh, statement about Wake Forest and oh. uh, North Carolina. I was like, well, I mean, that was genuine. He's like, no, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> So it was it was funny. I, I want you to how when you were when you were here, when you were at Carolina, what was the what was the student attendance mechanism for a Carolina Duke game back in the day? Was it a um, lottery? Did you have to line up? You had to line up to even get like a in the race, so to speak. And okay. then seniors okay. got preferential treatment. Um, but my senior year actually didn't get risers, but my boyfriend at the time did because he was in grad school and he got grad school risers. So we went that way. But that was the only time I ever got uh, a seat. Wait, your boy, your boyfriend didn't swap tickets with you? No, we went together. He got two. Oh, you went together. Okay. So, oh, okay. 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 I thought I, I, I meant that to be like you guys ended up being split up and it's like, damn, some boyfriend. No, 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 no. Not no we went together. Seat. Yeah. Damn. Although I wasn't like, I was like, here. I should have gotten them. He's like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, no, no. So, I'm going. It's fine. So it's interesting. The, um, 
you know, because now everything's on the phone and whatnot. Uh, when I pulled up here, right. students I would have loved that. That yeah. would have been swell. I'm not one for the for the going out early was, at 5 a.m. The students were just all wrapped around, right? But I saw some. I don't want to call them complete meltdowns. They were just mild freakouts as they were trying to explain to ushers, like, no, 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 I'm supposed to be. I'm in this zone. I'm supposed to be in this section because you know, for a lot of what? students, like, this is the this is the night. This is the night for them. So I saw I saw some mild freakouts, but then. I also realized that it's just different now. It's, you know, the students are different. Time marches on. You know, they don't bring out the Blues Brothers anymore like they used to back in the day when the marching band would do that. Now I'm really I was, When I was in school, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, now I'm really dating myself when they bring out the Blues Brothers. Now they do uh, Ski Yi and the whole building, all the kids are just chanting along. No more swag surf. It's all about the Ski Yi. And I was dying laughing, dying laughing at the dynamics of the youths. Uh, you know, getting into this game and whatnot. And the, and the crowd tonight, that's the thing about the Smith Center. Yeah. The crowd tonight the was game. excellent. You know, whatever whatever they end up doing next when this building has to be eventually retired because that's going to be on the docket here soon. Um, it's I, it's not going to have the same kind of acoustics like this because when this building gets going, yes. it, can, it can pop. And that was a lot of fun in the first half because when they weren't calling any fouls, when they were just letting them play, I mean, this building just kept getting more and more. And I think Mark uh, Yarborough, who does radio out in Charlotte, was like, I didn't realize this game was being was drinking straight jet fuel to start the game. And that's yeah, that how it felt in the building. Honestly, it was a little much for me by the end. I was a really? bit, like, I, I was like, I need to take a knee. You know, I'm a little. <laughs> like, even John Shire was literally like, please foul. Please. Stop do Like, we need a break. Please, someone foul. Like, even Shire by the end was like, this madness must stop. Like, this is too much. This is too much. This is too maybe much. they were trying and maybe the refs were like, no, we're, we're flowing now. We're <laughs> I, was like, I was like, aren't y'all tired? Jesus. Apparently not. Apparently not. All right. You got any. Uh... Ask the refs sometime how many times they've called a foul because they're tired and it's close to the official. Time. Like, just, like, of course they've knees. done that. My knees are just not what they used to be. I got to slow things down. I need a breather. I'm thirsty. Oh, you know what? That looks like a handshake. Right here. That'll take us to the official. Oh, that's weird. I didn't even see the time. Huh. Huh. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Uh, any any closing thoughts before we wrap up this totally not a panic room? I mean, look, I think it's a it's one of those games like for me I was looking to see like how close are these teams I don't know like it's like you like you and Julio have even said like are are is the separation that huge between like most of the teams in college basketball no but like has Carolina no. put itself on a bit of a different tier I think yeah and and this is kind of what that that's what I was kind of eager to see was like how close are they and right now I don't know like Duke still has like they can get there and they got Carolina at home to end the year and that's big yeah it's like okay so does like Duke I mean, do I still think of Duke as a top 10, top 15 team in the country? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Duke will be fine. Do they, have, do they have some issues that they're going to have yeah. to work past? Yes. I mean, clearly, around Kyle Filipowski is a problem. I don't know if Kyle Filipowski is at 100%. I really don't. I mean, I know yeah, a, couple game, a, couple game, a couple games that I've attended. I mean, the, the kid's coming off of surgery, from off-season surgery. Number one, number two, a couple games that at least I've seen. Uh, he has fallen, grabbed his ankle, tying up his shoe because he's got to get that yeah. thing tight again. So, like, I, I don't know if he's necessarily at 100% uh, facial expression. You know what? That would, explain, like, 
That would explain some of the faces too, to be honest. Like if I wasn't feeling very well and like, you know, maybe not. Yeah. As, uh, as Martin pointed out, Duke fans probably hate his facial expressions more than any opposing fan base at this point in time. Yeah, it's not, it's certainly not what, like, that made me think of Kay really a lot. Like, that's really the only thing that's happened so far in the Shire era, I think, that I've really thought, made me really think of Kay and go, oh, I wonder what he thinks of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, it, it, well, Shire, what, what choice do you have? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I've had, you know, I had to do this all of last year and I have to remind myself this year in that a night like tonight where Carolina clearly, Carolina clearly out toughed whatever intangible thing you want to say. But for the sake of this conversation, they were clearly tougher than Duke. And that has been a lament from John Shire, a good portion of the season, even in wins, he has not been happy with the want to on rebounding yeah. or the want to defensively again tonight the 50 50 balls uh which he lamented and i thought to myself okay if this were coach k i know a what would be said and probably what would happen right i think it was after pit after the pit loss right not only was that a situation where they ended up coming up short they got out toughed all that stuff by pit and then blake hinson jumps on the table and everything else the way shire said like that's unacceptable. Like how that game ended and he apologized to fans. Like Shire has like, Shire is mad, but there's almost like a niceness to his being upset. Okay. At least that we see. Yeah. Right. From what we see, he does a very good job. um, Probably in reality. Being being as measured. And I think this is who he is. It's just as measured as he can be while also showing his disappointment. It's almost, you know, for, for a guy who's, it's giving what, disappointed what is, dad, which is not the worst right. Thing. Thank you. Like watching Shire sometimes talk about a, a loss and being he's not upset, he's just disappointed. And watching him talk, it's almost like this measured way that I would have to talk to Caleb about him doing something dumb, like he did tonight. But that's another story altogether. So it's like you have to have this conversation with him in a very measured way. Uh, but if that doesn't work, and I, and this is this is going to be what's going to be curious to me going forward. If that doesn't work in the measured way. Well, when do you ratchet it up? And I'll, I'll be curious to see how Duke responds from tonight's game. Yeah, and th- they need Filipowski. So regardless, like, they need to get yes. him to – They need the, the facial conversation needs to be had, I guess, if it hasn't already. I'm I sure mean, it's probably, yeah, that conversation's already happened. But he, Coach K talks about that. All, what do you talk about? Good faces. Who was it? Andre Dawkins literally oh, got benched for, like, a while because yes. of his face. Yeah, he didn't have a good. He did not have a good face. He That's did not a have real a good thing face. that happened. I'm not making it, it up. Yeah. So it's and how and I have to remind myself that's not how Shire Shire operates. It's not he's how Shire. Shire operates. So I'm not saying like, he should. Like, I'm just saying like the Georgia like, Tech loss, right? Yeah. Like the Georgia Tech loss. I think you and I both agree. Hey, you know, he probably it would have been. I mean, I know what Coach. I know what Roy Williams would have done in that situation down the stretch with what seven seconds to go or whatever it was, and R.J. Davis had the ball. I wouldn't have called the timeout. You know, you know, Roy wouldn't have called the timeout. I think but he literally he has a rule like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Hubert Davis, Hubert Davis did. I mean, anyway, the, the point is that we still we still have a learning curve ourselves For sure. in how we talk about these teams. And I, I guess I'll close. I'll, I guess we can close this totally not a panic room on something this, that kind of oh, bothered yes. me. Well, like I wasn't doing that to suggest that like Shire is somehow not doing something that Kay used to oh, do and he should sure, be sure, doing. Sure, 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 it sure. was just more of a thing of like that was clearly very important to Kay for a reason, and I'm surprised that it's continuing to be an issue. It's really yeah. more. 
Yeah, and I I think it's important for Shire too. Again, I think it's just how they're handling it differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess, for sure. I guess what I would probably what I would probably close this game out with I, this week. It's this is a nuanced conversation. So follow me here, and I know you and I can have this conversation because we've been watching these games and coming to these games for a very long time. Two things can be true at once, right? In that the game itself, they still have enough things going on that you have i mean we can sit here and talk about it for 36 minutes for heaven's sake right there's enough that happens within the game and there's enough repercussions from the result of the game that gives us both, plenty to yeah chew on, they're right? both top 10 teams for the first yep. time since 19 which is a big yep. deal all that stuff yeah but going into the game i think the lead up has to evolve the lead up to the game has to evolve and i you know there was some there was some chatter about this game not having the same kind of sizzle. There was some chatter about this game being lackluster because of the state of the ACC, as if you have two top 10 teams. Like, what, is, what does the ACC have to do with two top 10 teams? Wait, uh, was that the, the, taste the tastemakers again? No, 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 no. That was national talk. That's national talk, right? Well, national talk's the one who just doesn't like the ACC already. So wait, now they have top 10 teams playing and it's not good? It's still not. It's just not the same. It's not the same. Now, the, the easy Jeez. answer to this, you know, and it's people at this point, are making the it always delivers sarcastically, right? I mean, I was listening to uh, Gary Parish and Matt. Norlander. Games were really good last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know Gary Parish right. and Matt Norlander spent more time joking about whether or not this is eight miles apart than they did the actual game because they were just making fun of the tropes. I get it. The tropes are played out. The tropes right, are tired. Of course they are. Yeah. It is time to evolve. And if if you're tired of it, if you're tired of those tropes, come up with something new. And I think we're I think we're still having a hard time getting past the fact that the singular force that keeps this game hot, right? That gives it the sizzle, he's no longer here. Coach K is yeah. no longer walking out on that court. And he drew so much attention, so much outward ire from fans both in this building, in Chapel Hill, and nationally, that we're still kind of struggling to like Shire's never gonna bring that out of people. It's just never going to happen. He's going to have to coach for 40 years and win five national championships or something like that to happen. And that's highly unlikely. If he wins one, it'll be an incredible success at Duke, right? So I think we just have to find a new way to talk about this and accept this chapter of it. I know I had a lot of Carolina fans in my mentions saying, well, you know, it's hard to uh, get up for these games after what had happened with the Coach K final season and the final four and everything else. Yeah. If you want to use that I as mean, the ultimate, I guess that would be card. your peak as a Carolina fan. But like I at mean, the same yeah. time, you but shouldn't it, it ever keeps, want to lose to them. So right, it keeps going. Like it's going to keep going, and you're going to have to find new ways to tell the story. And I think, I think it's you're gonna, never going to get gonna, that high again. So don't chase it. No, no, don't it's chase not. it. Yeah, it's not happening. I'm with you on that. So you're just going to have to find the you're just going to have to find the small joys in life, you know, uh, that come along with this game. So that, yeah, that, like that, the rest that, of us peasants. That sort of bothered me. That just that just sort of bothered me uh, leading into this game. It's like it was like almost like a whining of oh, this game is not what it's like. Sometimes, sometimes Carolina, listen. Sometimes Carolina fans say the most first world problems things. At least to fans of other, except for Duke, like local, yes. fan, like uh, any other fan base is like, do you, you seriously just say that right now? <laughs> like, are you really? <laughs> but you know what? To each, uh, it's all relative, isn't it? Yes, you're I right. Guess. You're absolutely right. 
from uh, from Timmy. And I'm so thankful Brownlow has her same background with the ACC sign. Take me back to classic panic rooms. Yes, classic panic rooms, because this is not a panic room. It's no, an OG overtime. Not. It's certainly not a panic room. Certainly not a panic room. You think people get the joke now, Lauren? I don't know. Maybe. This reminds me of the time where where we said, uh, where we wrote as one of our panic room video titles, like, do not click this. It's about Zion or whatever it was. And people (laughs) still clicked it a bunch trying to prove a point. Yes. Yes. I do remember that was, that was actually one of our most watched. I know that. We told people not, don't, because we're talking Zion. You're sick of Zion. No, we're not going to do it. So I'm surprised. But yeah, no, it's totally not a panic room. Just want to let you know, totally not a panic room. No, I, I'm keeping this joke going because I don't think people got the jerk the first time. So, and you know me. Including me. If I, you know, yeah, no, we had to have this conversation. You know me, I will I will beat a joke into the ground. So I'm going to keep on doing it, Lauren. Keep on fine. doing it. That's fine. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, wow. We are at 40 minutes? Dang. Whoa. All right. See, if this were a panic room, it would have been five minutes on a GoPro. See, totally different totally different not the same not the same all right enjoy your night everybody we will be back on monday with a uh obis and julio podcast we'll talk more about this uh and uh give you some audio and all that other fun stuff nc state won tonight nc state has kind of after things looked a little dicey they seem to be uh writing it uh the classic you just beat Carolina hangover for the Yellow Jackets. At the no, it's, it's just their play. I mean, State's unranked. So uh, State got lucky because they're unranked. That's a good point. That is a good point. As Joe joked in the Miami game, when you expect the least out of the Wolfpack, they're going to start delivering. All right. We delivered. Not a panic room. We will see you later. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc